Hello, Texans. We're back on a Monday. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you right here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with plenty to go over as OTAs get rolling for the Texans this week. And we'll have plenty to say about that as the week continues. A lot of talk about various position groups. Why not? This is it. They are gearing it up. In fact, they'll be out there for the next four weeks. And then that is it, Johnny. Break time. What I call the desert between mini camp and training camp. And during the desert, you know, it can either go slowly or quickly, depending on how you spend your summer. And then before you know it, it's back to football and training camp. I think the desert goes fast. In, in, yeah. Now, it, for me, it, it goes a little bit fast because I, I can jump into the college realm for a little bit. Because you got oh, SEC media yeah. days, you got Big 12 media days, and that usually hits middle of July. So once I get to that point, then I'm like, okay, it's on now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's close. Then you can start to, okay, you can start to smell it, as Andre says. But... This to, this is kind of the hardest period, I think, between the draft and OTAs. I mean, there's rookie minicamp, but that's such a brief period. But I think that's that's the hardest the hardest time because everybody's mm-hmm. kind of sitting up pins and okay, how did you do in the draft? How do these guys look? I thought it was interesting that they had the NFL uh, rookie showcase or premiere out in L.A. Mm-hmm. where they bring all the rookies and they put them in, in their NFL team's gear and then they take a big picture with them Yeah, and no Texans. Because they're here. Yeah. Because, well, we've always had somebody. I think Kiki went last year. Deshaun went the Wait, they year. just weren't interested in anybody? Yeah, they just didn't, not interested All right, in that's fine. Good. Yeah. I'm, I hope the guys know that. Yeah. That's I hope fun. Bill O'Brien brought that up in the team meeting. No Texans. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of been the way that everybody nationally has, and some locally, have sort of looked at this draft for the Texans. But, you know, look, if this is a draft that you end up getting – Two offensive line starters out of it. You end up mm-hmm. getting a secondary starter out of it. Pretty darn good draft, huh? No, we won't know that for a few years, but we can start to see the progress. Obviously, this year we can see it start. We saw the immediate rewards of Justin Reed being drafted last year, of right. Jordan Thomas being drafted last year. Yeah. So you, know, you start getting some of those immediate rewards, but you won't know for a fact what you've got until uh, a few years down the line. That said, just not gotten a lot of run, and the NFL rookie showcase kind of. Hammered that point home. Eh, Texans rookies. We're good. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing these O-linemen in these OTAs as the weeks progress here. Now, the thing about it is this. O-linemen, OTAs, Bill O'Brien says it's a passing camp, whatever. I just want to see how these guys move around, how they fit together, the combinations they put together. And as you and I well know, whatever you see out there on the field is not necessarily the plan. Often it's right. plan B, C, or D. They just want to have a look at different things, different combinations, get guys in different spots just to see how they react to the situation. Boom. Thrust into it in practice. And I was having almost not an argument with McLean. We've never really argued about anything, but a little mini right. debate because he said, leave the tackle at tackle if he's, a, if he's supposed to be a tackle. I didn't mean to stutter with John's accent, mm-hmm. but that is fine. I agree with that. However, the reason why they sometimes slide a guy over to guard is because in the flow of a game, as you know, you've seen Derek Newton move over to Mm -hmm. guard. You've seen these things happen. You only have seven offensive linemen dressing for game day. That's why you need that to happen. Well, especially with a rookie, too. You're not exactly sure what his fit is going to be. I mean, you may have projected him as you watched him during your draft study and go, okay, this guy we think is a left tackle. We think this guy is a guard. We think this guy can be a tackle guard. We think he's better at tackle than he is at guard. Might just be that a guy is is that good no matter where he plays tackle or guard. You just have to get him on the field, and maybe the right. best fit is to put him at guard as opposed to tackle or tackle as opposed to guard. So 
I I always find the first day of OTAs in particular pretty interesting because you when you go to the when you go to the Twitters afterwards and it's like okay this is what the offensive line looked like from left to right and it's like hardly ever does it look like right. that. I mean, it's fun so, stuff to talk about, like you were just yeah, mentioning. Uh, you have to wait a year or two to find out how these guys are going to pan out or at least what the initial progress is. However, we live in a day-to-day world, and you're going to react to what you see every day. All right, let's get to it right now. Julio Davenport started at left tackle last season for this team, his first full season as a starter. But the team did go out and get Matt Khalil. The team drafted Titus Howard in the first round. They have options. Davenport obviously realizes this, but don't count him out. He talked about here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with John Harris and I some of the things he's been working on. Next step is to consistently get my set better. Overall, just be a better player, be everything I can be for this team, and be the best player I can be for this team. Julian, last year, nine-game winning streak. There's a lot of really good moments in the year. Is there one to you that stands out more than any other from last year? You know, the winning streak was good, but – Ultimately, we didn't get where we wanted, so you can take bits and pieces of the good and the bad from it, but we got to do everything we can to come out and be the best. We have one ultimate goal, and that's all we're striving for. How much does that loss to the Colts, I'm sure you guys don't sit and talk about it all the time, but just knowing your teammates, how much does that loss to the Colts in the playoffs kind of drive you guys? Oh, you know, it's a big driver for us. You know, you don't want to harp on it, but it's a lesson that you got to learn from, and we take it, and we're making sure we fix everything we can coming into the season to be on point and be ready for you know a situation like that again to make sure that doesn't happen again. What does it mean to you to have some of the new faces in here as well? A lot of different competition bodies, guys are all in the room together. I know it's a close-knit group, but you're also competing, yet fighting for the same thing. It's kind of a weird dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of our league. Nobody takes it too crazy in that instance where you know we're all bringing each other along we're all helping each other while we're all trying to better ourselves in the meantime so it's competitive league and this is going to be every year so it ain't something that you can be bitter about but you just got to put the work in julian when you think about where you were when you entered the nfl to where you are now what's the one thing that you probably have picked up that you're proud of that over the couple of years that your technique's gotten better or you've become better at doing a certain thing? Is there something that you're more proud about your game in the last couple of years? And what's the one thing that you feel like you want to continue to work on going forward? Uh, I feel like I'm proud of the way my technique's developing, but it's not quite there yet. I'm still working on everything I can to, you know, better my technique and be the best at anything I can do on the field. But it's the constant grind. And basically, I'm trying to implant that to where it can be second nature, you know, not have no false steps, not have no missteps, everything I can to do to better that. I just want to improve on all the little things, pass pro, run blocking, uh, anything I can, because not everything's perfect and not everybody's perfect. What's it like to be a professional football player living in a big city like this? Your life has changed, obviously, over the last couple of years, but how has it changed? What can you share with us? I'm a more low-key guy, so I try to go places and stay low-key sometimes, but it's, it's kind of hard, especially with <laughs> especially with how big I am. So, yeah. you know, that's a little difference in that. And coming from a small town where everybody know everybody, being in a city like this, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people everywhere, a lot of more things to do as well. So that's a good thing in the nature. What would you do with your off-season time to get away from the game? Off-season, I actually I took a trip to London. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, London for a little bit. Yeah. Didn't get to visit the stadium we're going to be playing in, but I went out there with one of my boys. He actually played football out there 
at a university. Yeah. So he is my little tour guide and spent 10 days out there. You know, it was nice out there. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. What was the – was your favorite thing to do in London? Because now you're speaking to a lot of fans that are going to end up going to the game in London. Mm-hmm. So what was your favorite thing to do when you were there? Oh, uh, I mean, we did a lot. Uh, we was all over the place. Uh, we were staying in hostels. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we was. You did the youth sightseeing. hostel thing? The hostel thing, huh? Yeah, that's. I wasn't trying to stay in a room with too many people, so we was right. looking for the private rooms. Right. Uh, and that's where we more so stayed in. But we was all over the place, man. We were shopping. Uh, I was trying out the food there. Yeah. We actually we even went to Budapest for a couple of days as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. You yeah, guys a, did it all. Yeah, nice little trip. I'm Have right you thought about that, you. what playing football over there is going to be? Yeah, I mean, as I was over there, I was just picturing, you know, people, they really love football more than you would think, especially when I went to the university where he played at mm-hmm. and saw how they uh, – they play American football there. His team was national champs when he was there playing. They really like it more than what I thought was going to be. So. How big are the linemen there? <laughs> Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> if they were to see you walking out on the field, what would they think? Oh, they'd be very scary. <laughs> <laughs> what are your folks and family and everybody back home when they see you play? What's that like for them? You said you're from a small town. What's that like for them to see you come out, make it through Bucknell, and then get here to the NFL and play on a weekly basis. What's that like for them? You know, it's, it's, it's big time. Uh, you know, they knew this was a dream growing up, and to see me fulfill it, you know, it just makes everybody happy. All the people in the town also very supportive, you know, follow my journey and still, you know, communicate to this day. So I'm just kind of living my own dream but also living through them as well. It's funny. We just did a feature on Vincent Smith coming from a really small school. Bucknell's huge compared to – limestone yeah right yeah and of course the Texans just drafted Titus Howard out of Alabama State you came from Bucknell but what is it about that a a smaller program or whatever that has an effect early on and how do you shake that off early on is that overrated or is it taken out of uh, context really when people talk about guys coming from quote smaller schools I mean the big thing is just to get here once you're here all that's thrown out the window Mm -hmm. you know you just got to put in the work and develop and show your team or any other team what you can do to make sure you stay in this league and last so uh the only thing they can say about it is i guess some underdevelopment stuff like that but you got here so right obviously you had the skill set good enough to be here julian thanks a lot for joining us good luck to you Uh, thanks for having me there's julian davenport you know johnny you were talking about the twitterazzi and how everyone reacts to whatever they see in training camp these otas preseason games whatever even the early start in the regular season, you cannot count out Julio Davenport really improving and making a difference on this team and possibly starting and really doing some damage this year. You can't count out. You cannot rule that out at all. No question. There's no doubt. Remember what happened after 2017 with Kendall Lamb? Yeah. Yes. Kendall Lamb was gone. I mean, he, he started a left tackle against the Jags in, mm-hmm. in the very first game, and it, and, and it didn't go well. I mean, Kendall would tell you that. Everybody would tell you that. I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious. But that was a game that I think eroded Kendall's confidence for 2017, but he never stopped coming. And in between the, the offseason of 2017 going to 2018, he was a different guy. And I remember we had this discussion last year at the Greenbrier. We were up watching, and I turned to you at some point, and I said, you want to see people get upset? Watch when I go on the radio and tell them that Kendall Lamps having one of the better training camps of any of the offensive linemen here. Yeah, because no one thought that was possible, no. but it happened. Right. 
And no one's saying he was Pro Bowl caliber last no. year either. But guess what? He was the starting right tackle on a team that went 11-5. and five, yeah. And he's still in this league. He's got a job. And he did some good things for them. Do The team obviously felt like Chantrell was going to be the guy because he was the one that started and they brought him back. And so they gave Kendall an opportunity to go find a job elsewhere. Look, Kendall, I wouldn't, you know, we're not putting him in the Hall of Fame, but Kendall had some good moments last year in protecting the quarterback. Um, you know, his run blocking left something to be desired just because he wasn't a big, he wasn't a mauler kind of guy, but he did some good things for this team. And I remember when we went to Denver, remember we went to Denver last year and he went down for a play. He was oh, yeah. hurt and probably hurt worse than, than we imagined. I remember we thought he might be done for the day, if not longer. We did. And we were kind of talking during a break on, oh my gosh, this could be rough. Yeah. Now what? So the play that he is out, there's a sack. Mm-hmm. He goes back in. There's no more sack. It was the only sack that Von Miller got that day. And it was uh, it was that one play that he was out. He ended up going back in, played the rest of the game. Point being, and all that is, he was the scourge of Houston. Like the offensive line problems were all Kendall Lamp, seemingly when you just sat back and listened to everybody locally, in particular. And he improved mightily from 2017 to 2018. And I think that's that's hard for people to to see sometimes. Like, really, he's going to go from from A to B, like that can ha- yeah, it can happen. A guy can improve. It Think should about- happen if you're a rookie right. and, and or a young player getting your first taste of consistent competition. And Kendall finally got that and and played well with it um, for the most part last year. He finally got that opportunity. But I I think Julian takes another step in his development. Not saying Julian's going to be the left tackle, but is there a scenario where I could see Julian being out on the field and? And really, and having a good training camp, he's gone through a full year mm-hmm. against some of the best pass rushers in this league. He's faced some great players already in his first year as a starter. I he mean, also, if we went on the first year as a starter for Dwayne, Dwayne would have never seen the field. People, you know, people wanted to trade him in 2000. I was one of those. I'm like, no, he doesn't, you know. But then he turned out to be one of the better left tackles in the league. I'm not saying Julian's on that path, but I'm not going to send him off into the into the uh, nether regions just because he had a rough year in his first year as a starter. You're not going to send him north of the wall? Yeah. Ooh. I worked a reference oh, in. You? That's it. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. No spoilers here, baby. Next up, a bunch of gut reaction to a bunch of stories floating around the NFL and beyond. And also, Joe Webb, Spider-Man, Jolton Joe. What nickname does he like? We'll get into some deeper stuff, I promise. It's going to happen here on Texans All Access. It's the show that gets you inside NRG Stadium regularly, Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m., Sports Radio 610, Texans app. Great to have you listening. Texans All Access with Mark Vandermeer and John Harris tonight. And we'll have an OTA report for you tomorrow night. We just heard from Julian Davenport. We're going to hear from Joe Webb before the show is over. All right, so what do we got here, Johnny? Most complete football teams out there, according to Adam Shine, who knows everything there is to know about professional football. Not really, but we like to react to scribes' opinions from time to time. We do. All right, you ready for some gut reaction? Yeah, gut reaction. Okay. Let's go. Gut reaction to this. Now, Adam Shine put this together, and he said and emphasized, this is not a power ranking. It's not a playoff prediction. This is how he sees the most complete teams in the NFL. Complete. So no holes. Okay. Complete across the board. Let's go. Your gut reaction to the number one most complete team in the NFL is the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers? Mm-hmm. How about does Philip Rivers' brain come into the equation? Not Probably that it's does. incomplete, 
But from time to time, it reacts to things in an unpredictable manner. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. So there's some That's unpredictability true. to the way Philip Rivers handles his business from that time to time. That is very true. I do like him, though. I, I like him. I think, you know, from the outside looking in, he's a likable quarterback. He's kind of fiery. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy watching him when he's not playing against this team, and we're going to be seeing him out in L.A. Uh, I don't think they are. I mean, I guess you could say – all right, when you look at position groups and certain elements and they got a good quarterback and all that, you know, they, they belong up there. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I think the offensive line is decent. I don't think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the right side of the line still has some still has some work to do. Well, we've got their safety, too. Yeah, we got you a little. So they must feel good about that situation if he was available. But with Bosa, Ingram, Derwin James, Ooh, that's pretty good Casey Hayward, Derwin James. Desmond King is the nickel. Yeah. They've got... They got legit dudes on the defense. I think the running – I mean, Melvin Gordon, good running back. I think the receivers are good. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, if they're healthy, they're okay. I but love losing Keenan Terrell Allen. Williams, is a, that's going to be a bigger than, than they think. I think that's going to be a, a, a pretty decent I loss. I like Keenan Allen. He's, he's a workman. Yeah. You know. Runs great routes. He does. I can see he's where – reliable. I can see where the Chargers would be looked at that way. All right, what do you got next? But I think – I don't know. I think there's always something missing with the Chargers. I don't know. I always know what it is. I, but I feel like I mentioned missing. it earlier. <laughs> the number two team, okay, staying in the same city, the L.A. Rams, complete team. I disagree with this wholeheartedly, and I'll explain mine. I'll let you think in this for a second. I think the Rams' offensive line, having lost Saffold, Andrew Whitworth is thirty-seven. They lost John Sullivan at center. I, I, I've always thought that Havenstein is overrated. I think they're going to start. I don't know who they're going to start in the offensive line. I think that's the biggest thing. Look, you don't know how Gurley's going to come back after what he's dealing with, the knee. Cooper Cup's coming off an ACL tear, which Cooper Cup is kind of like that team's Will Fuller in some sense, not the speed, but just the reliability. And Jared Goff, how he went into that Super Bowl and how he's coming out of it. So a team that didn't didn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl is the second most complete team in Mm -hmm. the NFL. Got it. Yeah, second second most complete team. Okay. Uh, SNF on NBC asked this particular question, and I, I love stuff like this. For one game, you can have one of the following. Okay. You can have either Patrick Mahomes' arm, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins' hands, Ooh. Saquon Barkley's legs. So, wait, for one game? For one game, you can have any of those three. And the leader in the clubhouse... Patrick Mahomes' arm, of course, but Mahomes' arm, Hopkins' hands, and Saquon Barkley's you know, it's one of those, legs. It's one of those questions where it's almost unfair to put a quarterback in there because he can do so much and touches the ball on every play. Right. Right? Yeah. So I'd rather, if I were them, phrase the question, I like Hopkins' hands and Barkley's legs, and then throw something else in there. You know, Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt's pass rushing ability. Right. Ability to get by people or knock them over. Uh, it I'm partial to DeAndre Hopkins. Of course. There's no doubt about this. Yeah. Barkley's a really interesting player. NFL Network was rerunning that Giants-Carolina game last week, and I watched. I saw that game when it aired, and I watched a chunk of it in oh, the Oh, is that the one quarter. that the, the, the Panthers went at the end? 63-yarder. Graham yeah. Gano, Graham Gano. Oh, yeah. That's a great game. It's a great game. The Giants, Such a great game. The Giants looked super in that game on offense late. You know, OBJ looked good. Mm-hmm. Barkley looked amazing. Uh, I love Barkley. I think he's a tremendous player, but I like D-Hop better. Okay. This one is – and it comes courtesy of Peter King. Peter King did 
his Football Morning in America article, and he asked 25, as he called them, 25 smart people in and around football what they'd do if they could change one thing about the sport of professional football. Ooh. Your gut reaction to okay. Dean Blandino saying, make every play replay reviewable. Wait a minute. Well, upstairs or, or challenge flag? No, no challenge flag. It's basically the college version of replay. No, no, no. Of course Blandino would say that. <laughs> Wants control of the game. <laughs> Johnny, I watch college football, and even in college basketball – and NBA basketball, sometimes I'm thinking, do we really have to have a look at this? You yeah. know what drives me nuts in the NBA? And it drove me nuts in the Rockets game. Didn't they take away a three? Was it in game six where they took away a three from Gordon? And they ruled it a two where they said he was, or it was after the shot oh, clock. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. It was after the shot clock. And it was minutes later. No. Right. No, right. no, no. You missed the call then. You can't go back in time. What is this, Michael J. Fox and the flux capacitor? I hate that about basketball. Don't get me started. And as far as being able to review every play, no. Make the challenge flag rule. I would be okay with that Mm -hmm. if he said you have to throw a challenge flag. And then we reorganize how challenge flags are thrown. Make the coaches think about it. Otherwise, the guy upstairs is going to feel compelled to stop the game all the time, and it's going to bring everything to a screeching halt. So, okay. Your gut reaction to that what? That was my gut reaction. Your gut reaction to what Pete Carroll said. What did he say? Three very simple words. I'd almost go to this angle, to be honest with you. Okay. Kill instant replay. No, you cannot do it. You have to have recourse. It, the technology's too good. Pete Carroll's wrong about this. Come on, Pete Carroll. I never took you as get off my lawn guy. <laughs> You have got to be able to review plays. Johnny, you need some kind of last house on the left here. Here's what he said. Get rid of get rid of instant replay. I get all the reasons why we have instant replay. Technology has opened up a new world for us to get to this point. But I miss the human element of trusting the officials to make the calls in the moment and then the rest of us having to live with what they called. It was both fun and frustrating, but I really liked the game better when the officials were just as much a part of the game as the players. Was Frank Curse's big catch in the Super Bowl that got them down there when they should have beaten the Patriots, was that? It was not reviewed because that was clean. He caught it right in front of the ref. I like know, they, but did they look at it again? No. Or, no, okay. No. Okay, they, I was trying to I mean, it was inside of two minutes, so they could have, but they, they didn't. I mean, he caught it, he caught it clean. But I, the, you know what? As I read that, mm-hmm. you know what I thought of? What? Remember Fail Mary? Yeah. Now that that's sort of nuanced because that was when the officials were the replacement locked officials. out. It was replacement officials. Yeah. So it was a little different, but I can't remember if they went up to the booth for that one or not. I think they did. They, I can't, they I can't remember. Up. They messed that whole thing up, and I'm like, No, you have got to have replay. No, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. I'm sitting at home in my living room with my high definition TV. I'm being Joe Sixpack here, or maybe Joe Chardonnay. <laughs> But I'm sitting at home with my high-definition television, and I get a better look at it in slow motion than everybody in the stadium. Come on. You can't do that. You have to have replay. You ready for our buddy Eric Winston? Your gut reaction to his? So what he thought should or could change about the game. Go ahead. So, again, Peter King's article talked to 25 smart people. Ran the gamut of of people, players, coaches. just Great column. Yeah, it's excellent column. Eric Winston said, your gut reaction to this. Seed the playoffs by record, not division title. I'm actually more okay with this than anything. I think here, – here's the thing. Could you do it where 
you you allow an 8-8 eight and eight division winner, yes, you're in the playoffs because mm-hmm. you won your division. I've always thought this, and in the NBA too, because there were some freaky times with the uh, Rockets when they had the 4 and the 5 and the 5 got the home court or whatever. Anyway, I think this. You're in the playoffs if you're an 8-8 eight and eight division winner, but you're not at home, okay? I know you won your division, so congratulations. So even though your record might be worse than a team that has a better record in another division that failed to make the wild card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, you're in because you won your four-team division. But, because otherwise, why have the divisions, Johnny? Right. They don't mean anything anymore. You know, They really don't. They're just for scheduling purposes, right? Yep. And you know, you're lucky if you're in, a, in an easy one. You're unlucky if you're in a tough one. So well, how does that make sense? So, but are you with me here? I would be okay with that, but you've got to play on the road if, if the record warrants it. All right. I can see that. Okay, good. Yeah, I can see that. I'm glad we're. I'm glad we came to we, an understanding. I, we can see that. I I don't get too kind of hung up on the playoffs. I mean, if you deserve to get in, if you win your division, great. What uh, about what about seven teams per conference? What about letting that extra team in, and then there's only one bye for the top seed. Same amount of weeks. You just have three games on this first Saturday and Sunday instead I, of two. A triple header, Johnny. I am not triple header network. I, I know. But you know, I know. And but I you lo- know, you know, hang on, let me interrupt here. You know what ESPN really wanted though? They wanted the Monday night game to be a playoff game, right? Yeah. But it was conflicting with the national championship of college football. Yeah, that could be that's that's gonna be tough, especially because ESPN has that game. Yeah. I I have never been a big fan of expanding playoffs to water down the regular season. I think it's good the way it is, too. So I don't like adding more teams. That's like if they go to eight teams in college football, it'd be like, eh, you know, okay, maybe. But No, I there's no reason for that. I didn't like it when in it was fact, two because I felt like, hey, look, there are a couple teams that could you know, make it four, that's fine. The more you just water down the regular season. So I'd, I'd rather keep it at six. All right, next up, I wasn't going to go here, but my – Radical idea for college football. Oh, and I got another one Joe for Joe Webb will join us, and you got another one for me. I got I've another got, one. I've got an overtime question for you as well. Okay. It's Texans All Access. Busy, busy night here. Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Okay, we were doing gut reaction to Peter King's column where he talked to, what, 25? Yeah, 25 smart, smart people. people around the game. Uh, he talked to a few players. He asked Clay's Campbell. Clay's Campbell said, make every healthy player active on game day. Now, I'll take the financial component out of this because I'm not sure what that financial component would be. I, I don't know. But just to have your 50 – you made the 53-man roster, make everybody active on game day. Uh, I yes, agree with that please, wholeheartedly. Please wholeheartedly. make it. Or go to 55. Is it really that much of a problem I, at 55? I, that way you get a few more guys out there. If you have a few guys hurt, you can sort of keep them around without having to IR them. That would be nice. Okay? Here's another one. What? Les Snead said – Reinvent the preseason, and there, there's a reason why I bring it up. He said, my long-term thought is to reduce the preseason from four to two games, one home, one away, but don't waste the rest of August. I would add a scrimmage with another team at a neutral site that loves football and slot that scrimmage the same week that now would be used for the first full preseason weekend, the week after the Hall of Fame game. We could take the NFL on the road to towns in America that support the NFL on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays by watching us. He said, it's a chance to give back and invest in our dedicated fans who support us even even though they might be in a place that's not close to NFL Franchise City. Wouldn't it be fun to see Carson Wentz and the Eagles scrimmage the Viking, Vikings somewhere in North Dakota? 
Yeah, it would be fun for the North Dakotans, but how are you making up the lost revenue of the preseason game you're canceling? He says, or the Seahawks and Texans scrimmaging in Madison, Wisconsin, yeah, I'd love where it. Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt played. Love it. Be great. But how are you going to make the money back? Yeah, you're no. not making it back in a scrimmage. You're not charging the well, full I mean, ticket Les price. Well, needs a GM. He's not, not, the, he's not business yeah, office manager, yeah. the president. Talk to Jamie Roots and get back to me with your thoughts, okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, college football, by the way, all the radical ideas here, like Pete Carroll saying get rid of instant replay. How about this one? You ready for this? Okay, go ahead. Go back to the old system of choosing a national champion. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking pre-BCS. I'm talking you're heading into New Year's Day. Remember New Year's Day when that meant something? New Year's Day, Johnny. I'm- and New Year's Day, like, all right, we're number four, but we're playing number two. If number three blows out number one by 40 and we blow out number two, maybe we're – no, wait, if number three just – edges by number one yeah. and we blow out number two maybe we'll get some votes in the upi which no longer exists right but in the upi and we can go ahead and win a, a share of the national championship i thought it was fun that way i think the playoff look it can be great but often it isn't well we've had a couple of great games in a college football playoff we and have. i the, mean Deshaun's well, game was well, unbelievable the the guy in the locker room generated the two that we've had. Mm-hmm. And the only other playoff game that's been worth a darn was that Rose Bowl, which was Georgia and, and Oklahoma. I I would be more apt to agree with you. I, in fact, I am. I'm, I'm apt to agree with you because I – first of all, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to college football, but and I love the bowl games, and I loved New Year's Day. I love that. I feel like some, some of the passion for college football is maybe – gone a little bit because we're not discussing well who was really better Clemson or Alabama right. who was really better right and the fans are fighting all off season long all of a sudden Clemson blows out Alabama and it's like it just it's like well you know Clemson won yeah so. no debate there's nobody's no, talking about it that's what makes that, the, that's what makes the sport great remember when everyone thought there's no way college football is going to a playoff because that way people will stop talking about it they lo- college football loves the controversy mm-hmm. which Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But to your point that it just generated so much conversation. And look, we're probably the same people, and I put us in a collective group here, that complained about, why don't we have a playoff to serve the champion? So never mind about that. I think it's fun stuff to talk about. Right now, our conversation with a guy who's third-string quarterback, on special teams, can play wide receiver, he can drive the bus, he's Joe Webb, and he's fun to talk to. So if I call you Jolton Joe Webb on the air, is that good or is that okay? If I have a nickname or something, or do you not want Joe that? Webb, uh, Spider Webb, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call Spider Webb. That's not bad. Jolton Joe, that's that might be a dated reference though. Yeah, I, but it's okay though. You know who Jolton Joe is right. Yeah, okay, it's a dated reference. Yeah, it's so dated, but not bringing it back. <laughs> We're trying to bring it back. We're trying to bring it back. Joe, is there anything on a football field after a year? We're convinced that you could do anything. Is there anything on a football field that you can't do? Well, I would say long snapper. <laughs> I, I mean, I did it in high school. But See? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You did it in high school, so you could do it if you needed to. But what does that say to you that you have that versatility that you can play any position on a field when you're asked? Well, first of all, I just I love playing ball. I love being on the field. I have a great passion for the game. And one of the first things I heard once I got into the NFL was the more you can do. Now, that's all people were saying, more you can do, more you can do. So I kind of took that and ran with it. 
How tough is practice for you? Because you kind of have to know a little bit of everything out there. How does that go for you on a week-to-week basis, Joe? Uh, it all depends on our opponent. You know, we have an opponent, you know, you know, which is a scrambler quarterback, a running type of quarterback. You know, uh, you know, I had to, I had to fill in that role, right? You know, and um, then also at the receiver role, also. So special teams. I mean, man, I'm running all day. I barely yeah. get breaks. <laughs> My only break is like when field goal team is up. <laughs> Did you ever kick field goals? No, don't answer that because we already know the answer. Joe, I remember the day that you were in the building and you were going back up to sign your contract. And you've been around the league for a while, and you've seen it from a lot of different angles, but was there any uh, nervousness or anxiety this offseason about where you're going to be, or did you always feel like, if I get the opportunity, I want to come back to Houston? Yeah, man, I feel like Houston is a you know a great place for me. You know, it, it feels like home. You know, it's back in the south. You know, I'm from Alabama, so I'm used to the heat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a great atmosphere. You know, it's a football state. You know, which is I'm I'm familiar with from being from Alabama. So, I mean, it's it's a great place for me, man. What was it like seeing what Deshaun Watson went through last year as a quarterback and the beating he took and the ability to stay out there on the field, make plays, take the bus, whatever it took in order to play? I think it showed a lot, you know, the the willingness he's, he's able to take, you know, to will his team to win. You know, uh, you know, teammates saw him, you know, come to the sidelines with pores, you know, no matter what happened on the field, he always had pores about himself. You know, he always had that competitive spirit, you know, so I, I think it shows a lot for him, you know, just, you know, no matter how the, how the game's going, you know, good ups and downs, you know, he always, you know, pours about and competitive, ready to win. Joe, you were on, I believe, all special teams last year. How difficult is that for younger players to look at playing special teams and go, okay, this is my role. I'm going to accept it because they look at you and they see you doing that. What's that like for younger players to have to try and accept that role to play on special teams? And how do you look at that role of special teams? Uh, I look at it, you know, uh, it is one of the most important things in the game. You know, a lot of people don't think of special teams like that, but it's all about field position. And it's, it's all about momentum change. You know, it, it, it can make a big difference in the game. You know, you go out there and you – you hit the punt returner, he fumbled the ball, you pick it up. You know, it's a, it's a momentum swinger. Yep. So, you know, you tell young guys like that, man, hey, you could build your career off of special teams. You know, you might not be a starter right now, but it'll help you work your way up into being a starter. So, uh, it, you know, those young guys coming in now, you know, they more and more they start to understand. And Coach O'Brien, he always emphasizing special teams, special teams. So, uh, I think we go get better. We're going to be a lot better this year and uh, continue to build on it. How important is that locker room chemistry, whatever you guys have together as a bond, as players? You've been around a lot of different locker room situations. What do you think of the one here? It's a, it's very, it's a very unique bond that's, that's being built right now. Um, a, lot of guys, not a, a lot of new guys coming in. You know, I see guys who was here before, you know, go up to them, hey, man, what's your name, where you from, you know, trying to get the norm. And, and it's not more so about, no, it's about me, me, me. It's more so like, hey, man, we're going to need everybody that's in the locker room right now in order to win, you know, in order to get over this, you know, first-round hump, this wild card, wild card hump, and we trying to pursue the Super Bowl. So uh, we know that for a fact we need everybody. You know, it's it, yes, we out there competing, you know, to make one another better. But at the end of the day, hey, man, I got your back. You got my back. I need you. You need me. 
All right, you ready for some either ors? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I've got a list of like 22, and I'm just picking ones that I feel mm-hmm. like will fit. So, for Joe Webb, let's start very easy. You an NBA fan? NBA fan. Okay, all right. <laughs> Clay Thompson or Steph Curry? Still. Everybody's saying Steph. <laughs> Are the people not see like I would have thought you would have picked Clay Thompson. And Clay Clay is a great player. Don't get me wrong. I think Steph can create more shots for himself than Clay. Yeah, I just think Clay does the all round. That's why. Yeah, right. he does the defense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, so let's go this one. Giannis or Kawhi? Giannis. We're starting. To, like we're starting Giannis. to go the other way, Mark. <laughs> yeah. We're starting yeah. to go the other way. You can be the CEO of a company, either Facebook or Netflix. Netflix. Okay. I like that. I like that answer. You can relive one athlete's life from beginning to present day. LeBron or Michael? Michael. I like it. I like it. That's a little bit old school coming out right like there. Michael, <laughs> right why, away. Why Jordan? Jordan, I mean, he, he has a unique story. You know, a lot of people don't know he got cut from the high school team. Yep. You know, yeah, he got cut, so he had to bounce back from that, you know, if he don't make his high school team, he don't go to North Carolina. He right. don't go to the Bulls. So, you know, um, and you know, I, I just I, I grew up watching Jordan. You know, I remember watching regular season games. You know, yeah. make sure you had to do your homework early just so you could watch the games. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, who'd you grow up rooting for though? Like what team? For the Bulls. It, it was definitely him. It was the Bulls. Yes. What about the Birmingham Barons too? <laughs> I did. I watched him play when he played for the Barons. He I, did. I went to a game. Oh, very cool. Was yeah. that weird to watch him play baseball? It was weird. <laughs> he struck out a couple times. But <laughs> hey, the guy, hey, this fan still cheered when he struck out. Of yeah. course. I mean, it's, it's Michael Jordan. But all right, all right. You kind of we're good. We started getting some LeBrons, but we did get a lot of Michaels. Of course, Josh Ferguson was in here, and he was from Chicago, so he had to say Michael. So, so it was pretty good. Uh, last one, Old Town Road. Either country or hip hop. <laughs> I would say I would say country. Just because Billy got on it. That yeah. exactly. Yeah. Billy's the one who changes yeah. it. Billy makes it country. Yeah. Billy All right. Makes it country. Joe, all right. thanks a lot for being with us. Good luck this all year. Right, thank you. Well, Johnny, I have a man crush on Joe Webb. That's all I have to say about it. Well, for good reason. Joe yeah. is fantastic on radio. He's yeah. a fantastic football player. Mm-hmm. And I love having him on the team because there's so much that you can do with him. Yeah. And I've thought about this concept at some point, Mark. Of the players on the Texans, what player could play every position on the field if he had to? If you had to. Which player could play? Watt. <laughs> yeah, Watt. J.J. probably could. He probably could. Look, he helped me work the espresso machine earlier, okay? Well, Watt yeah. can do anything. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think Joe Webb can do anything, too. Yeah. I think – I don't think Joe can play offensive line, but... That's the thing. That's That's the thing thing about football. Oh, by the way, okay, here, my overtime thing. Yeah. So we had the Vanderkid Flag Football League, the Go Texan. It's not a Go Texan League. It's an NFL Play 60 League. I say Go Texans. It's TexanFlagFootball.com. That's a new territory. Mm -hmm. So we've been fortunate to win this league twice in a row, three out of the last four, four out of the last six. Pretty good. Uh, Same core group of kids together. A lot of fun. Anyway, great kids. I love coaching them. So we had overtime yesterday, and in flag football. For the championship. For the championship. 0-0 going into overtime. Yeah. Yeah, 0-0. So here we are, and it's two good teams, and it's great, really high stress. I mean, I'm just like, oh, man, (laughs) the stress. It was awesome. Great feeling. Uh, So the overtime rule, it's it's points, yes, but you keep the ball for four plays. So if you get extra yards, it's the total number of yards and the points you get, whatever. Uh, 
the other coach took the ball first for some reason. All right, whatever. Ooh. So we knew exactly okay. what we needed. We were able to win the game. Right. But the point was this. I started thinking, if the NFL goes to this, all right, each team gets a possession no matter what, just like everyone wanted to see right. Kansas City get a shot at it in the AFC, a shot at it in the AFC championship game after the Patriots scored their touchdown. If that happens, would you say, all right, I'd rather go second. I don't want the ball right away because I want to see exactly what I need to do with my possession, if a field goal is acceptable or not. Because if you drive down the field and you have the ball first and you have to kick a field goal, you're like, all right, I get it. i got to stop them from scoring a touchdown. But right. would you rather know or just take the ball first? Is time still a factor? I, I think it is because I, as we say this, I remember when they were floating all this stuff out there, and somehow this stuff leaks out there. Yeah. And I think they want to get a gauge. They want to hear a, yeah. you know, a big kind of room talk about thing. it. Yeah. yeah, crowdsourcing. Thank you. And I think that the talk was around keeping the overtime at 10 minutes, to which I say, all right, you're keeping it at 10 minutes for safety and getting out of the game quickly purposes, yet you're having them play more football because you're giving them an extra possession if the other team scores a touchdown. You know how I feel about overtime anyway. It should be sudden death, period, end of story. Next team that scores wins. Thank you. Done. But it's not going to be that way. Now, in college, when you have that both teams get the ball thing, the clock's not a factor. Not a factor at all. But if, I, if the clock is a factor, I want the ball first. It's like George Springer, now he's hurt, but George Springer getting A-Bs as the, the leadoff guy. He's going to get more A-Bs. Yeah. He's going to get more at-bats hitting in the, in the number one spot. So if I get the ball first and, and time is a factor, I get the ball first, I'll get it a third time. So like in the, the Colts-Texas game, our, the game four, week four, they got the ball first, four-minute drive, kicked the field goal. We got it back, four-plus minutes, kicked the field goal. They had the ball third time. Right. And had they gotten the third down play, they could have kept it, kicked the field goal. I just you're you're probably not going to get to four drives in overtime. So I'm just going analytics guy on you. I think the most you'll get is three drives. Well, you going first, we'll get two of them. Yeah, you want to make sure you maximize your possessions. So if time is if time is a factor, I want the ball first. If time is not the factor, I will always go second. I like it. Johnny, thank you. Appreciate that, Mark. That is going to do it for the show tonight. It's been a blast. Thanks to Joe Webb and Julio Davenport for being on tomorrow. Plenty of talk about the OTAs as Bill O'Brien will get his reaction to practice. We'll hear from several Texans players along the way as well. Big week for us here, obviously, Memorial Day weekend for you, but you'll be hearing from Texans all week long. Weeknights, 6 to 7, here on the flagship Sports Radio 610 and the Texans app. Don't forget about Texans 360, Saturday nights at 11 o'clock. On ABC 13, a can't-miss show. And Clint Sterner, who you hear a lot on Sports Radio 610, will be on Texans 360 Saturday night, 11 o'clock, ABC 13. Go to HoustonTexans.com for videos, articles, all the stuff about your favorite football team. Have a great evening, and go Texans!